I mean, I was immediately in a bad mood. Yeah, I, I turned the movie on and I went, Spike's gonna hate me. Yeah, it's like, I'm not into the swords and, and everything that's in this movie. But like, to do it, to do it badly is another level of like, so I don't want to be interested in this and this doesn't want to be interesting. Okay. <laughs> So, so, so yeah, we have a deal in math here. class. Nobody has to like this. All right. I just I wish this movie had a defender on this podcast because it might it might be more interesting if it did. But if you yeah. watch this movie and you genuinely love it, uh, you, uh, the the show's email uh, will be hidden from you because you should not reach out to us. <laughs> we don't yeah, want no. to talk to you. I, <laughs> I, I will say that I. Uh, the first time and only time I watched this movie before the pod was on a free HBO weekend. And it started at the Marlon Wayne's death. Spoiler. And so I've just seen it from there on and always thought it was kind of a decent movie. <laughs> because at least then it has like a reason to keep going. Okay, before yeah. we get into the Marlon Wayne's of it all, we need to introduce our, our show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, welcome <laughs> to it. I think this episode's yeah. just about over, guys. Please. Yeah. Uh, welcome to hell, guys. Uh, I'm Richard Humphrey. Uh, to the left of the Zoom chat, <laughs> we have... I don't know. It never works. <laughs> it literally never works. It's me, Spike Kittrell. Yay. And to the left on my Zoom chat... Is, by process of elimination, me, Kyle Anderson, the Kai Dog. I was the, actually throwing the, it the to Richard. baby. Well... <laughs> <laughs> and uh we're here uh we're here on the ones and twos to talk to you guys uh we're a podcast about movies that went through like development hell which is an interesting term for uh just any sort of like piece of media that takes forever to get made whether it's like lawsuits debts you know um just uh like imprisonment in a shadow realm anything that really just stops something from getting made for one reason or another in the long journey it gets to get there and sometimes uh yeah when francis ford coppola was trapped in a painting for all of the 90s (laughs) (laughs) someone had to rescue him (laughs) better movie Uh, than this one the only way it's the only way to explain his career And uh, today I bring to the sacrificial altar in development hell the Dungeons and Dragons movie from the year 2000. So this is my, okay, I'd like to jump in already. I have a problem. (laughs) This is when it's becoming apparent. It it became apparent to me that this round robin thing we've set up is going to make me unhappy every time Richard picks some goddamn shit movie from the the same year. He's just like, what? What will make Spike mad from 2000? We rang in the new millennium with a bunch of shit that's gonna fuck up Spike's week. And like, I'm now not ready. Like, okay, you know, Kyle might pick some a little more populist. I might try to pick a good fucking movie. And then Richard will swing in and go, We're watching this footage of me pooping. And we're gonna talk about how hard it was for me to buy the food, for me to, it was, I had a tummy ache the day before. And that's his, that's what this is gonna be. I think you. I think Spike's just so mad that I didn't follow the spreadsheet he laid out with the movies he wanted me to do on them. 
Yeah, I was like, can you pick a movie that's a movie? Not a thing. That's like, which like they they like looked at the dailies on this, and then they were like, "Oops, we accidentally released it. <laughs> we forgot to cut it." Oh my god! It does. When you mention it, it does look like a movie of dailies. Like no, they're like we roughed in we roughed in some VFX of shots, you know. We we yes. we're using the same establishing the same insane establishing shots, <laughs> um, the same Daily's two dragon. of them that exist. Yeah, dailies, dailies, and oh, dragons. Um, yeah, but those dragons looked like veggie tails. Yeah, like, those, those dragons dude, were real. Those dragons soft. had like potato skin. <laughs> In a, in a post-Dragon Heart world, you put out a dragon like that? Look, in a post-Citizen Kane world, you put out a movie like that? <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm saying in a post-Jurassic Park world, like That's a dragon's just yeah. a dinosaur with wings. It has to be better looking than a dinosaur right, that I've well, seen. But in Jurassic the- Park is that, that thing that we even still today go, how does this look like shit when it looked this good in 94? But... But that was Steven Spielberg, and and he cared, which yeah. are two totally new, totally uh, unique things to that. When you compare it to like Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> or Lost in Space or or all these kinds of early two thousands, the, 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 the like IP race, like um, sure, even Star Wars. That's a, and actually kind of like Star Wars and the original Star Wars in the seventies, sort of where I kind of want to reverse, like and sort of start the timeline of actually Dungeons and Dragons. Because uh, I feel like the star uh, when Star Wars came out, it became this thing of studios were like, "All right, so people can get VFX kind of right. Let's do crazy movies. Let's make our Star Wars." And that's when you know there was things like Last Starfighter came out, but then they were all doing fantasy. You had like Jason and the Argonauts in like the uh, like mid seventies, and then Clash of the Titans in like nineteen eighty one was just like this super big deal, but. A couple years before that, during the big fantasy craze, is the reason Dungeons and Dragons started off. And that's because in 1979, a boy was found dead in some storm tunnels in Massachusetts. And they claim he was. His name was Spike Kitchwood. He didn't like the movie. He didn't like the movie. (laughs) He said, I don't like elves and ogres. So we bonked him to death. The. The rumor was that that kid got lost in the storm tunnels playing Dungeons and Dragons. And that caught the media's eye to what Dungeons and Dragons was and started everyone playing this game. And Which is also, if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, man. it's not a thing you could play while walking through a sewer, really. <laughs> like, I, I guess you could, but like, you shouldn't. <laughs> For true immersion. And it's also like yeah, actually it's we're into a, modern day dungeons. Not not a one player game either. And what were sewers if not the dungeons of the eighties? I was a, I w- when I was reading about that True. rumor, it made me think about um, the most recent season of True Detective, because that's the first episode. Is the kid is found in that cave with Dungeons and Dragons dice. And I was like, oh, that's Whoa. where that's from. <laughs> this movie's about a lot of stuff now. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, but that rumor did just started just sort of like how uh, in the 70s, like, you know, uh, Pop Rocks and Soda, like uh, 
everyone said that killed that kid, but it didn't. Uh, Is that was, season two? Yeah, that's season two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one wasn't season two. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I'm gonna tell you, a lot of people tried to drink and, that pop rocks and then drink that soda. Not a good idea. You know, you put the, you put the rocks in your mouth. You start to hear the sizzle. Then there you are with the soda. <laughs> there you are. That's what I love about pop rocks and soda. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, like, despite that, like uh, that rumor, like fantasy kicks off in this crazy way. We have like this Dungeons and Dragons game that goes through like stage one of just like nerds hanging out to stage two of grosser nerds hanging out, and eventually is the craziest thing in the world. But during that time, they're already pushing for a Dungeons and Dragons movie, and uh, TSR is this company that runs Dungeons and Dragons at this time, and their uh, tactical studios rules is their big title and it's gary gygax and his partner and so because at that time like dungeons and dragons is kind of like uh the tabletop game itself is sort of like started as like war games like games about like you know you you control a bunch of like a whole a bunch of platoons in a big war and then one week they sort of were playing and he was like, we're just going to play as one platoon and each of us are going to be like a different guy in the squadron. And then they played that for a little while and then he eventually changed it to sort of a, a Tolkien skin to it. And that's what they realized was the most fun. We should say from this, because I'm, I'm going to bow out of a lot of this preamble because you two are big on, you two are like active players. Don't you guys play together Dungeons and Dragons now? Yes. Yeah. And um, I I had like a month of it and couldn't. So <laughs> that, and 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 respectfully, I, I, but like I, that's- I could I could I could I could get you back into it. It's all about uh, having a good dungeon master that understands the type of story that the players want to have versus the type of story that the dungeon master wants to have. Which I am more sick of the fucking phrase it's all about having a good dungeon master than I am making America great again. Hey, I would rather <laughs> you wear a fucking MAGA hat than you tell me all I need is a good hey. goddamn dungeon. It's really all about it's as, all you it's need. a fun dungeon master and you pick a character you're really going to have fun exploring. Hey. I want to go sit That's true. instead. It's, yeah, it's, it, it's valid why <laughs> you hate it, but also... um. Can we put a pin in this after you be right back, guys? But Spike, what if you could play through a movie? What do you mean? Like, Keep like going. basically, like basically, I'm unfurling a movie before you, and your character is making these choices. You could do whatever you want in this sandbox. Oh, in the, like, in, like in the constraints of what you're doing. That's what I'm saying. A good dungeon master, a good dungeon master is going to lay out a story that you're excited to be a part of. And then you're going to dictate with your character's choices. That I story. Think, I think that the, here's the thing. I like that. And I, I, I think I would be more receptive to something like this. And I've heard about this being an option, but it's I think the wall I really hit is the is the swords and the realms and the kingdoms and mm-hmm. the dungeons and dragons. If it were cops and robbers or like even sci fi, like I it's really weird how I even enjoy things that are adjacent to this and I can dig mm-hmm. on some like 
I'll watch three Lord of the Rings movies. I'll watch Harry Potter. Like I'll watch the sort of soft, like the surface level stuff. Sure, sure. I cannot get into this movie loses me so quickly with the exact kind of voiceover that I think of when yeah, I think of no. Dungeons and Dragons, and, which and is like, I'm, and the I'm, realm was ruled by this and this, but then this and this. And I'm like, so you don't want me here. Sure. So, no. So and I couldn't, I couldn't be more, uh, I couldn't be more like with you where like, I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy. I'm not even a Game of Thrones person. I don't like watching fantasy stuff, but Dungeons and Dragons I enjoy as a collaborative storytelling medium more than a a thing about slaying dragons. Which and most of the homebrew the I've made, right, which is why it doesn't work as a movie, because it's like, that's like being like, we're going to make a movie sure. based on animation. And you're like, that's a medium, yeah. not really like a thing, you know? <laughs> like- right. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it, it's similar to, I had something else. It's similar to wrestling where I understand there's this like massive, incredible story happening. Um, but I, I don't, the, the, the form loses me. Sure. And the thing sure. that boxes it has to check in order to be wrestling or in order to be uh, Dungeons right. and Dragons loses me where I'm like, this is a cool story. Tell me about gangs. I don't know what that disconnect is. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this, the thing with both of the, and I'll get off this tangent cause I'm not, I'm not, I don't judge it. I just try to ex- explain it, which is like, um, maybe it's that those two things are so distant from reality, but real people are acting them out that my, I don't, I can't comprehend. Like, you're just a guy dressed up. I have, I can never immerse myself in either hmm. of these. I and go like, like, oh yeah, that's a guy who's mad at John Cena. So he put on underwear and knee pads and he's going to abide by the rules <laughs> unless the referee is looking the other way. Like, I don't, <laughs> I can't connect with the rules and I, I only see theater in it. I never go, wow, this really has pulled me in. Or it rarely happens. Sure, sure. I think everyone Because it often feels like homework. It often feels like history class for something that doesn't matter or like, or is fictional. So it's Sure, sure. And that's that's sort of like when you're going with like all the realms stuff of D and I hate that kind of stuff. And I don't like playing a D and D um, campaign. That's like super lore, like deep, like the God Zekaroth yeah. gave to the, the, the three chaos Lords Malnek. And like, I don't get Which a is fuck. what this thing starts with like a Superman yeah. or L narration, but it's insanely, which, Dense. is is kind of the problem with all like the pre-made dungeons and dragons stuff where <clears throat> me and my friends we do a lot of more homebrewy stuff like uh the the campaign yeah. that i did with richard was very like sort of like guardians of the galaxy setting where it's like more more fun like they're doing heists they're doing you know what i mean which is like it's fun to play yeah. Uh, a heist with your buddies with no limitations. Like that's the great thing about playing D and D is, you know, in any video game, you can't say, Oh, I want to pick up the table and use it as a shield unless they've programmed that in as a mechanic and like tested it and made it taught you how to do it in a tutorial. But like D and D has the spontaneity of like, Oh, are there chandeliers in the room? Okay. I want to shoot the chandelier. 
down and and pin the, the bad guy to the ground you know what I mean? and like that's the beauty of D and that's that's also why it would never work as a movie because it's all about these choices that you and your group of friends are making sure to tell this story so if a story has been written to make a movie it like inherently destroys what is fun and unique about dungeons and dragons and what makes it not just a tolkien-esque ripoff of dumb stuff which is what right. this movie does yeah, you'd have to make it like the Clue movie, where it was like there are random input scenes, and so every it, like there's three different copies of this movie that you'd end up barely seeing. Like, or like random. what was that movie, Bat Bat Babelish or whatever they did on Netflix, where you could pick a bunch of Bandersnatch, yeah, the and then they did it with um, they did it with Kimmy Schmidt. There was like a Kimmy Schmidt go. movie that was also like, should I clean my apartment so, or should I go out drinking? Both of those. I don't like that. That's yeah. like weird. And they did Man vs. Wild with that, where he's like, should I jump out of this helicopter with a rake or should I jump out with some band-aids? So you guys want to know, know a crazy talks. thing about that stuff? <laughs> is like uh, Netflix was developing that technology and it, and it was already in like half of their kids' shows. And they'd like test it out, like how these choice things work on like their kids' shows that are Netflix originals and stuff. And then they're like, all right, cool. Now let's put it in Bandersnatch because it works. And we and and none of us have stopped talking about Bandersnatch since. Yeah, and then it's like, and then everyone was like, "This is the coolest thing that's ever happened." <laughs> and it's like, yeah, fever. No, it, it like, really it worked out. Yeah, it worked out great, didn't it? Bandersnatch no, like, fever. <laughs> I actually hated fever. I hated that whole experience of Bandersnatch. It was awful. Yeah, you don't want to make a movie because it's not a movie. A bad review. It would say, "I hated that experience." <laughs> <laughs> because it's only, yeah, I hated that moment of my life. It was, but it, that's, but that's what I'm saying is like, maybe it, you just it, hated it's your so version. inherently maybe you just fucked up Bandersnatch. <laughs> maybe, but it's just like the whole, just <laughs> inv- bad choices. The whole situation of doing that was just like not fun and not a good story at all. And it wasn't even it was like a bad a good, dungeon master. It was bad dungeon master. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> awful dungeon master. So, Anyways, uh, back to the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which we love talking about. I only have four more of those rants today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So during this whole IP race, Gary Gygax is like closely like he had like the sole rights to making D&D as a movie at this point because it was with TSR. And he's in heavy talks with 20th Century Fox to like make this movie. And he's working with James Goldman, who is like a prestige screenwriter. Who uh, he won an Oscar for making The Lion in Winter, which is like a Peter O'Toole, Anthony sure. Hopkins, like uh, 1968 Oscar winner. And uh, so Gygax works for 18 Best months. Best achievement in Lions. Mm-hmm. Best Lion. Don't count that Witcher wardrobe out, though. Best supporting Winter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wardrobe, though? Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, Gygax spends like eight months. Wardrobe is all secondhand lions. <laughs> Swept in. We thought that would end Ooh. on a dud, but it ended with a home run. <laughs> sure. You saved it. And um Sure. I actually <laughs> All right, here. So I have some pull quotes from this article, or it's a uh, by March uh, 1982. Gygax has secured James Goldman's involvement in the interest of Goldman's wife Bobby as a potential producer. 
the uh, so as they work on the screenplay, TSR is forming a media division, and uh, Gygax is hunting for an executive to run it that would be responsible for all of it. And so in that meantime, Gygax is doing sort of all of this stuff, and so he spends like uh, a bunch of time in September just like yelling at the Goldmans about how Dungeons and Dragons is supposed to be, and ranting to them about how bad Conan the Barbarian was, and about how he mm-hmm. doesn't want it to look like. So that. he sounds like Spike. <laughs> <laughs> no, Conan's good. <laughs> no, Conan's Conan. good. That's the that's the thing that sucks. And um, so during this time in 1982, like, I love I love how he is like, yo, Conan the Barbarian fucking sucks. We need to make my shit, and everybody watches Conan, and they're like, that's a pretty good movie. And he's like, no, 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 dude, read one of these bad books that aren't fun to read. <laughs> you feel like you're painting me oddly. And um, so <laughs> Gygax was actually publishing like a, a monthly magazine was how D&D was like kind of played mainstream was you subscribe to this magazine that would be sent to your house with like new adventures and stuff like that. And uh, so in there, he has like these opinion editorials and he uh, says about Conan the Barbarian, he says, <laughs> imagine done- if you got every every time you got a video game update to Call of Duty, you also just got some editorial opinions from like the guys making Call of Duty. The, the people I want opinion of the least. <laughs> you want that new update? Here's some thoughts I've got. Guess I'm all right now. <laughs> um so he says badly done films seem more likely to destroy interest in fantasy rather than build it. And his whole thing, and he's right about that, but he also was wrong about Conan being bad. <laughs> um, and also what worried them in, uh, in 82 is when uh, a TV movie comes out called mazes and monsters. That is a sensational retelling of the, t- uh, the steam tunnel kid story uh, starring a young Tom Hanks. That's not real. Wow. Yeah, that's real. Tell me that movie was difficult to make so we can cover it. <laughs> Tell me there was a fight for the rights the produ- or some shit. Production was perfect with, with three weeks from concept yeah. to screening. Bro, it was, it was a, a smooth weekend. The one thing made we'll 18 never do. million on a budget of one. They're very happy. <laughs> the one thing we'll never do on this podcast is a Tom Hanks movie because everything he does is a delight. <laughs> he's never had a problem in his life it can't happen what is this what is this movie called it's called mazes and monsters and it's a sensational retelling of the uh, tunnel story and when you say sensational you mean like it sensationalizes the story you don't think it's fucking awesome <laughs> yeah I you think don't think it's, like, it's, it's sensational I'm using it's the word a real from the supernova <laughs> you're telling me that Forrest Gump was his first Oscar and, and then I'm gonna get to a big. The cover is him just kind of smiling. It looks like maybe it's a picture from like a big photo shoot. It doesn't seem like a kid gets murdered movie. It's mostly him like kind of goofing off. Like now I gotta see it. Now you jinx in this one, dude. It looks like the uh, the, the one I have looks like a classic fantasy novel cover, and Tom Hanks is in like a uh, like a mage robe. Look, I'm not here to tell you which Mazes and Monsters VHS cover to look at. I'm just saying I'm looking at the hey, best one. You're telling me a better one to look at for sure. This is just the IMDb photo. Ugh. 
Um, so this is a quote from Gygax that I thought was really important. He's, he's not as young as I, I thought he was going to be yeah. younger. I, I would think he was going to be a boy. No, but it's 82. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, I guess, yeah. but a he's... boy can dream. I was picturing like Tom Hanks face down in a, <laughs> in just a, some dice in a pocket. pile of dice. Yeah. <laughs> So Gygax says in The Dragon, the uh, name of the magazine, I promise all of you that if the D&D film isn't of the quality of Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, I will not only blast it, but I will apologize to you as well. Give us a chance to prove to you that the genre can be good. Right. You you know, it's... It's always nice when they do call their shot. Like I believe like Battlefield Earth was of a similar way. Um, you know what right. I mean? Where it's like they're like, no, this is it's usually why is it what people are coming at Star Wars? It's well, like yeah, specifically it's people and this is my like and it's, it's not it's go ahead. It's the kind of psychopath that watches Star Wars and has the thought of, I could fucking do that better. But here's the the (laughs) fucked up thing about this. And I don't, I think this is kind of obvious. This is, I think, the only movie I've ever seen that is inspired by Star Wars The Phantom Menace, where like (laughs) every decision seems like they saw Phantom, what Phantom Menace was 98. Yeah. Right. So they see it, they do. They they that night green light it and then a week later all the bad reviews come out they go oh shit we Marlon Wayans so, like, shall be our <laughs> our Jar Jar and then we've got our, Jar Jar. our like our young Marvin. queen in the most uncomfortable looking clothes and everything has to be in some form of a chapel even though nothing is a chapel but everything's got to look real cathedral and holy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and true. even it, down to like the lightsabers like what if their swords glowed for this one <laughs> <laughs> so and actually so that script that gary gygax was working on uh, was completely different from obviously the end product we got and i read the treatment for that script and i'll give you guys a little summary of that one and it was um about a guy right before he goes off to like college going to yale a guy gax, a guy gax if you will <laughs> I was going to say, how how much longer are we going to be saying that name? Guy, Is he uh, almost out of the story? Because I can't handle you keep still saying Guy Gags. <laughs> it's probably got another like five more minutes of him. Uh, Sick. So he does have the name of like a Spider-Man villain, like pre-transformation. Like, yes, Gary Guy Gags became the ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> so. The main character of that Dungeons and Dragons movie is Tom Boyman. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dave Childman. Nice to meet you. And I, I, when I read that, I belly laughed. Yeah, it's, Tom oh. Boyman is a 23-year-old Californian who has finally saved up enough money to begin his studies at Yale. And uh, as he's catching like a bus, it's just a matter of saving the money. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to get to Yale. It's just so. And then you like, catch ticket a bus price. from California to Yale. Yale. And on the bus, yeah, hot, direct. I have a ticket to the Yale, Yale bus. Yeah. I have all this money for them. <laughs> I've saved up a bunch of Yale money, and I'd like to sit on this bus until you take me to Yale. Bus doors open. Wow, kid, you must have been really saving. <laughs> so 
Which shop are you? Yale? Or- <laughs> <laughs> We're stopping at Yale. We're stopping at Harvard, Oxford. We're going to do some spots in the ocean. This is a cool bus, kid. <laughs> Thanks for taking the Ivy League Greyhound. Boy, that's a lot of bags. What is that? A lot of money? <laughs> He's uh, paying for Yale in cash. Okay, so so um, little boy Boyman is going to Yale with his money. Yeah, and he's on the he's on the bus, uh, ba- uh like going east. Young and Boyman. They stop at like a carnival, and while he's there, he's like hanging out with two other people that were on the trip, and they end up like in this fun house that snaps them into this plane, and he's told that uh, the master has died, and every seven hundred years, the power is given to a new like person. That person is Tom Boyman, and it's like the story of him trying to like unlock his potential for the rest of the movie. And I'm like, that doesn't sound better. That doesn't sound better. <laughs> and no, and and, and also Magic Funhouse getting stuck in a Magic Funhouse is such a lame '80s like travel to another Magic Universe sure. device. <laughs> That Saturday morning cartoon lasts for about three years, and during that time, a 19-year-old named Courtney Solomon enters our story. And Courtney Solomon okay. uh, is just a big fan of D and D. Like he's just like just like a one of us, you know, just a player, not a one of Spike, but one of us. Uh, uh, yeah, one of them <laughs> for me. <laughs> and, one of uh, you, motherfuckers. <laughs> And his mother is just like this, was like a producer of some like Canadian television shows and stuff like that. And his dream was just to produce and make like the D&D movie. And so he spends his journey as a 19 year old just making cold calls. He's cold calling TSR and just trying to get through. Put on a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) I'll log off. (laughs) <laughs> i've been time, cold calling you guys for years so i figured i'd just put on a sweater show up and give you a warm here <laughs> during that time gygax actually leaves uh tsr in 86 due to uh, disagreements with lorraine williams who's become the Thank majority stockholder in the company <laughs> and uh, lorraine williams is just, lorraine williams is just sitting there like i mean how much longer are we gonna have to say this guy's name i am so fucking gosh <laughs> your name i have become shareholder in this company and i'm i'm over it <laughs> i'm looking at the sheets it says here your name's gygax <laughs> that's not gonna fly <laughs> under my purview uh, so courtney solomon shows up to tsr after like lorraine williams is now like in office and goes in there with a 30 page treatment for a dungeons and dragons movie and they're fucking impressed they this is not the Tom Boyman. This is not the Tom Boyman one. This he, is he pitches it like a like a little kid. He's like he's like, and then the dragon comes in and he goes, and then ah, and then we run and then they go down the hallway and, <laughs> and so, there's gold dragons and then there's red dragons. You don't know what the fuck is going on. And then it's gonna cut to some plastic shit. That and then, and then Jeremy and then Jeremy Irons is there and then. So and they're like, what color are their lips? And they're like, well, that's where the cool shit comes in. <laughs> and they're like, well, wait a second. We're going to get to that. You're probably thinking these people's lips are not blue. That's <laughs> <laughs> where you're wrong. Uh, so 
that so one article I read said that they loved his presentation, and then another article I read just said that he took the cheapest deal, like he just had the cheapest offer, and like that multiple studios were out to that try could to get be the, the title of this movie. And he was just like, "Yeah, I'll do it for the, the cheapest." Dungeons like, and Dragons, the cheapest offer. And he then <laughs> spends the next like three to four years like traveling the like world while writing the movie he's also just like talking to financiers in like dubai and like going to like other countries just be like hey so this will be like a good foreign release that will get like a lot of buzz here and we'll like do something big and as he's talking to people he meets this guy because this movie sort of could translate anywhere it makes it so easy to understand and follow yeah this is this is where they created the term tentpole they're like this appeals to everybody. We gotta we gotta figure out what to call this. <laughs> it's it's a three quadrant hit. It, the only quadrant it's not hitting with is spikes. <laughs> yes, so, but they don't they they don't need my money. I, I think that I'm I'm not one even a quadrant. Dent. And like as these dealings are sort of like going on, uh, the '80s are progressing and bad more bad fantasy movies are being made. And sort of like Willow is sort of like this big one that everyone keeps coming back to every time someone goes, I want to finance this Dungeons and Dragons movie. Here's my pitch. Here's like all this stuff. They go, yeah, but Willow was so bad. And they keep going back to like how uh, bad like this was. It was sort of the breaking point was like you don't have the reliance of saying you're going to be Star Wars anymore because we know at your best you're going to be Willow. So there had never really been... I mean, maybe I'm super wrong, but like a successful high fantasy movie and really until Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And that was sort of a big point I was trying to, uh, in this episode I want to make was like fantasy itself is in development hell yeah. in all of uh, like Hollywood that like nobody can get it. Nobody understands what to do here. Yeah, I get it, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's because everyone who makes movies thinks like Spike. So none of them want, you know, the movies should be, they should be good and they should be good. Yeah. Welcoming and accessible. And so as this stuff is like falling through, um, Courtney Solomon makes his way to China and he's there like kind of like scouting locations, looking at temples and he meets this financier named Alan Zaman. And Alan Zaman is just this like crazy rich guy in China who just like, um, Owns another theme park that eventually Alan Zaboy Zaboy uh, <laughs> uh, raised uh, made more money than um, Hong Kong Disneyland, and so the Chinese newspapers gave him the name the, the Mouse Killer. Yeah, like what, his what, park. Wait, what do you mean? It, like, what do you what the, what the fuck did you just say? Yeah, so he uh, opened a again. theme park. He opened a theme park, and it, it made more Disney's- money than Disneyland. Oh. Yeah, punk little ass. Understood. All right, and, I'm with you. And the newspapers called him like the mouse killer. And then so as he's doing these talkings, Courtney Solomon's talking. He's like, I got this movie. And Alan Zaman comes out of that interview. Mouse saying, hunt. This 24-year-old is the smartest, most brightest like entrepreneur I've ever met. And I love this guy. I'll do anything for him. And like, And is sort of like the big temple financier that helps push this movie along eventually. And it's funny right. that this movie had to get made with like a hotel exec. At the <laughs> it is, it is, so, it is crazy to just be a guy who really likes Dungeons and Dragons, and then eventually you're like 
pitching to like a Chinese mouse killer, right. like hotel executive who's just like, I love it. <laughs> so that executive gives him enough. It's money. like when like the Pepsi guy made Matt Apple a big th- deal. So, so I have, I have a buddy who, um, he, he writes for TV shows now and he's, he's very successful, but you know, he was a struggling comedian and he's, he's told this story on another podcast. So I'm allowed to tell this, but basically he got offered a gig, uh, by this like Dubai Prince and he's like, (laughs) and this is all legit. They, they, he like hired him and he was like, who's other like funny comedy writers, you know? And he hires like five of his friends, pays them, but like lives with them in this like huge high rise mansion and is like financing all their sketches, but like hat, like wants himself filmed all the time. And he just would like watch these videos that he got like sent to him of like uh, body cams of like soldiers in war. Like anytime they <laughs> came into a room with him, he'd just be watching these body cams of like real war footage. Like he's weird, and but he's like financing all their comedy sketches. So they're like, all right, well, I mean, we'll just like this guy's giving us like red cameras and shit. Like we're just gonna and paying us all, you know, two grand a month or whatever. Um, and like we don't have rent because we're living in this fucking mansion, but we also live with this crazy guy who will just walk in and be like, why has anyone ever done a funny parody in Jurassic Park? (laughs) And you're like. Uh, well, I mean, it'd be really expensive. He's like, fucking expensive. Get me dinosaurs. And so you spend the next four days, like, trying to figure out the logistics of getting in shipped in fake dinosaurs. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so these, like, these, these rich people, they could just come in and, like, you know, be the, be the heir of a, you know, a, a, a Hong Kong theme park and just like green light shit and it's fascinating. Yo, it's like there's sure. a there's a dispensary out here that is run by the heirs to like the double mint gum <laughs> like family. <laughs> like it, it's now just like these rich people to start like A24 is a like studio started by like the children of like another cor- of like corporate like elite money and they just like are just making movies for like stuff that they like. Is it I know Annapurna is that that's the Ellison kids. Is A24 the same? I was some podcast told me A24. Annapurna sounds like it's them too, but uh Yeah, Annapurna is at Megan Ellison who like her dad's a billionaire and she just was like, Can I have a small amount of millions to start a movie studio? Apparently it's a lot of those are popping up like that. And it's sort of what's like holding a lot of like stuff we like and consider art together. Well, cause you can't I mean, just like start a movie soon unless you have millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, it's true. No, right. It, it costs, it does cost money. It costs a lot of money to make a very small movie. So just, I mean, yeah. if that intention exists, especially, you know, even to Dungeons and Dragons, like if you can just guide a guy who says yes, that's a, that's a, an ally. So yeah, this guy mm-hmm. says yes. And he not only says yes, he builds around Courtney Solomon a production company called Sweet Pea Productions. Which makes me think, Gross. like, a lot of the, the, a lot of context here is that this dude is definitely, like, his little fuckboy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> you know? Come on. Sweet pea is gross, for sure. And, but he's also, like, a 24-year-old. It's not, like, it's a consensual, like, adult relationship mm-hmm. like that. It's, like, it's a... Mm-hmm. It, no, it's but, cool. It's hot. 
Um, so like these scripts are floating around and they've actually we started love like that for him. <laughs> we love it. Uh, so at this point, Courtney Solomon, like who does eventually become the director, isn't directing. He just wants to write it and produce it because his dream is to produce a good Dungeons and Dragons movie. He doesn't want it. So sure. who does it go to next? Francis Ford Coppola. Mm. What a picture. <laughs> what a picture that would have been. Oh, what a picture. <laughs> oh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola v. Ferrari. Duck Hope. And uh, so Duck Hope. Duck Hope meets with Lorraine Duck-ope. Williams. Duck Hope. <laughs> hey guys, it's uh, I figured out who to call for this D and D. If I recall, I got this one guy's phone number. Who is it? Uh, uh, it's uh, Doc Hope. Doc Hope. <laughs> and so yeah, that script is in French. Doc Hope is in Doc Hope's hand. And Lorraine Williams, who owns all of it right now, is just like in office with him and just goes, so why the fuck do you think you should direct Dungeons and Dragons? And he's like, I'm Francis Ford Coppola. And he just leaves. Yeah, I don't understand how it was always hard for him to get told yes. And so like he just left because he was like, I don't like her. And at this point, he has made the three best movies of all time, right? Yeah, that like th- this right, is great. and they're this like, is what like the fuck are you, What the fuck yeah. is wrong with you? We don't want you here. And then it goes to James Cameron. And Duh, James Cam, we're trickling down. We're trickling, we're trickling down. down. We're, we're, we're hey, we're on another good ledge, but we stand up. We're like, <laughs> okay, we thought we were falling off the building, but turns out we're on another nice balcony. It's and an entirely about- different. Of course not. It's about to be. It, yeah. it was, and then and then I think I feel like they're about to we're about to lean on a, another railing that's not there and tumble quite far to a third director. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so James Cameron, this was actually going to be set up as one of his light storm deal movies. Sure. That like was going to be part of like the big five, you know, and uh, it was part so of. So like, what's like, the thing he did instead of this? What's the like, what's that oh, movie I'll, then? I'll get to that, babies. Uh, OK, because it's. Oh, I'll tell you then. It's Titanic. He does oh, Titanic instead of this. Yeah. Um, That's the so, boat one? Yeah, the boat one. So so wait, so he's fucking working on D&D and Spider-Man at the same goddamn time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I guess I'll just do this boat movie instead. <laughs> he like, My third choice. The highest grossing film of all time. About the saddest thing in history ever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to hire kids no one's fucking heard of. And uh, so James Cameron has like the script and like he's actively changing a lot of other stuff. It's getting approved in different ways. There's been script doctors moved in. It's getting pushed along in the right way, right? And then Lorraine Williams asked James Cameron, why do you think you should direct Dungeons and Dragons? And he goes, I made Terminator 2. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, like, it's again, this is an insulting question to be thrown at these is, people. And she had a sour attitude the whole time that it drugged out to the fact that uh, the studio, like, uh, it was set up like 20th Century Fox wanted the movie, Lightstorm Productions wanted the movie, but she couldn't agree on a good royalty deal for it anymore. They wa- she wanted all of the money that it would ever like foreseeably make. 
And James Cameron just fucking leaves, and he's like, "I'm gonna go well, to Titanic." I'm sure. I'm sure. Reason that they were because th- this is the people at. I'm sorry. It was TSG? Or what was the company TSR. that oh, is those people? TSA. Right? TSR. TSR. Yeah. TSA. It was those assholes at fucking TSA. I know. Touching my butt crack, taking my <laughs> weed. Um, <laughs> no, but but so the the people at TSR like the thing about Dungeons and Dragons is it was this huge like it's a cultural like it's a big pop culture thing. Everybody's heard of it, right? But it's like one of those things that it's a hard thing for them to generate income with, right? Because you're not selling like a video game. Like they're hoping you'll buy the books, but you could read all the rules on Reddit. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to buy anything. You could download free apps that do it all. You know what I mean? So it's always, they've always sort of struggled. You know, they've had these subscription, these, these magazines they send out with like new adventures or new monsters or new magic items or whatever. But um, a lot of those nerds also share all that stuff with each other. You know what I mean? And and make sort of these compilations and these, uh, you know, these homebrew volumes of everything that they that they released thus far. So I think maybe a reason that they were trying so hard to get these like insane deals is because they were like, oh, this might be the thing that could really make us flush for a while. You know, like sure. they were looking at this as like their their one chance cash cow. Well, that was well, the and thing- similar to Star Wars where it's like, all you have to do is make a movie that's pretty good and then you can have an empire. What if you already had the empire and this was the renewal of it? Mm-hmm. Right. And right. after James Cameron drops it, just disinterested at this point. Uh, a lot of the other financiers back out as well. And so the script just sort of is like up in this like fuzzy nowhere. And that's when TSR sells all the rights to Dungeons and Dragons to Wizards of the Coast, who is the current new My owner. boys, the fucking boys coming in, baby. The boys are back in town. Yeah. No, they're very cool. <laughs> I went longer than I thought, but I said Dakota like 40 times, so I, I backed away. And I was yeah. like, if this is the whole song, I think I did this. <laughs> and Courtney at this point has actually like because all the finance uh, all the people that were going to finance it are like kind of backed out at this point uh you know it's down to a 3.5 mil budget from 100 mil is what it had when it was in james cameron's hand <laughs> so i'm calculating about like a 97 percent <laughs> drop in budget <laughs> This seems if pretty, if, <laughs> pretty hard numbers to crunch uh, here. <laughs> but so as like that sort of stuff is happening with those numbers, um, Courtney. Hey, Solomon hey, I think I think he answered the question of why should you make a Dungeons and Dragons movie? Right? <laughs> you under- pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty fucking well answered it, James. Well, what happened was <laughs> Wizards of the Coast actually was like, we're not going to put a hundred mil into this movie, you know? And they were like, it's a, mm. uh, it, it's sort of that thing. And he was like, you got to find new financing. You have to make it work. We're not going to put that much into this. 
And so he right because at that time, Wizards of the Coast they're a, they're a trading card company essentially. Yeah, they they like start they, they made Magic the Gathering and they started doing Pokemon cards in America and like they're they're a trading card company mm. that sort of took this on as like a way to expand the lore of Magic the Gathering and stuff is like oh yeah. we can just own all of D and D. Spike's face. <laughs> it's just all the effort guys all the effort and like the fighting and it was for this and it was for dungeons and dragons so it's for a movie that could never work like never. i don't understand how even these people i mean it Kobe must just be that like francis like, ford coppola francis Francis Ford Coppola must have had no clue what Dungeons and Dragons was. No, it's like when you right, were like, like, what are you doing today? And that you have to say, well, I'm talking to Francis Ford Coppola and I'm going to really grill him and see if he's worth our time. That's when you should realize you're not on the right track. When you're like, well, first we need to kind of screen James Cameron and see if he's up to snuff. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't I know this kid can handle the movies ever and wants the job. I don't know about this. So, yeah, it's it, I get it. So it, it's crazy. It's Courtney crazy how too. snobby they're being at that point. Mm-hmm. I know. Like they're like playing hard to get when it's like, no, well, they're, they're are, acting like they are with- Star Wars. Like they're yeah, acting right. like they're the hottest media franchise no, yeah. in history. This and is they're how not. they approach like Ryan Johnson. This is how they go. Like, why do you want to make Star Wars Episode Eight? It's right. like you know, it's I not like and, and, one. You know, and Ryan Johnson is Ryan Johnson. I don't even think now you go to James Cameron and go, why do you want to make Star Wars Ten? You just let him fucking do it. I don't understand the vetting process when you don't hold any of these cards. There's no leverage. Well, it sounds like it sounds like this this woman who worked at TSR was the main person who like just didn't know how to make these deals and work. I think she just wanted fucking money and like ended up department. I think she just kept buying stock in a company until she moved up to a point where she didn't know what the fuck she was doing, and so she's like, "I'm just gonna sell it." Yeah, you know, it's like she was holding. Well, that's probably how she's dealt with all kinds of business people of just being like, "Why do you think you're the person to run this department?" You know what I mean? Like, why do you think? And that's probably her like, oh, tell me why you're fired up for this project thing. But yeah, to somebody that, like James Cameron, who's like a proven genius in this field, it's just like insulting. Yeah, dude, it's post true lie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just hands her a VHS of true lies. It's like, look what I do with this shrugs. jet. I do cool jet stuff. Cool horse stuff. <laughs> I took a boring French movie and made it Horses really cool. and Jets. That's basically it's basically Dungeons and Dragons. I took so. this boring French comedy and I was like, what if it hated women? And it turned out okay. <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, a guy we've never really talked about on this pod yet, but will probably come up a lot in these sort of dealings is uh, Courtney uh, meets Joel Silver. Hey, yo. And Joel Silver is just uh, this dude who was just like sort of had his hands in everything in the like uh, in the 90s and 2000s. He produced Die Hard. But not in the gross 90s producer way. No, in the actual like he just made 
movies like ghost right. ship his, like, metaf- his, his, his yeah. figurative hands and everything and he just like really uh he got the pitch for dungeons and dragons and he was like you know what here's what we should do we make it a tv show he's like you know we can build it up you have hercules you have xena you have D and it's like he's that's how it should mm-hmm. be and um that and uh that was their talk. And then they went to Lorraine about that. And Lorraine promised Courtney and Joel Silver that when Wizards of the Coast bought D&D, that they were going to fund the TV show, that it was going to be what they do. And it was a flat out lie. She never even brought it up. Sure. And, but at this Joel, time, Joel Silver, Joel Silver has a fun Wikipedia page because he just has a he just has a um, a subheading it says uh, Carmel Musgrove incident it says on August nineteenth, twenty fifteen, Silver's twenty eight year old assistant Carmel Musgrove drowned in a lagoon while attending a celebration <laughs> with Silver and Bora Bora on the occasion of the marriage between Jennifer Aniston and Justin Theroux. Did he drown <laughs> in a lagoon while playing Yahtzee? Uh, I don't know. Musgrove's family sued Silver and his assistant, Martin Harold, arguing the later had provided her with cocaine along with alcohol consumption from an exhausted work day. They had uh, allegedly had contributed to her death. So he's like coking up his assistants and having them party at Jennifer Aniston's lagoon in Bora Bora until they die, bro. <laughs> Just a little the, background, a little color sure. on Joel Silver. And so Joel's <laughs> the one detail we need going in here. Jesus. Flesh it out. Flesh Start the, the podcast. Out. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> um, during that time, uh, Wizards of the Coast, they look at everything uh, during the buyout. They look at everything Solomon has and they go, you don't have a movie. You're not even close to making a movie. And we're going to sue you. And they take him to court claiming he's not actually making a movie. And during that litigation, uh, like a lot of the the people that were still helping out Courtney Solomon are like, hey, you have no directors and no nothing. So you need to be the director and you need to do this. And he (laughs) says – and so he's forced to direct the movie and he directs a uh, like a three-minute like test scene. And they send it to Joel Silver, and then Joel Silver calls everyone and tells them but how he awesome is, it so, is. But is he a director, really? Though no, like, he's never directed anything. No. Oh my god! And so okay. that three-minute test scene, Joel Silver's super horny for, and calls everybody, and that interest boosts the budget from the financiers back up to thirty mil, and saves the lawsuit because it's enough to call it a feature-length film. Instead of Sick. like, uh, and so at, uh, at that point they just have to go with it. And that's when they start like that casting process of like Justin Whalen, uh, the main, the guy who plays Ridley who, um, right. Who's uh, doing great work. The, the quote I read about why they cast him was they didn't want somebody super famous. That's and always like, a good move. You know, and they were like just someone just passable enough. And the only thing he was doing at the time was he was Jimmy Olsen on Lois and Clark, the Dean Kane Superman, like uh, Lois Lane TV show. Sure. And uh, so they cast and him. And he's mostly just kind of turning and doing Brando face and mm-hmm. Brando mouth, right? 
Yeah, well, he's sort of just like I always thought he sort of looks like Dean Kane from the universe that eats poop. Right. He reminds me a lot of um the car he looks like a Disney Channel cartoon. Um it, and he looks he especially the the kid from Treasure Planet. I feel like he's got that guy's vibe. He has that weird With, like, like the, the the shoulder pad like Mad like Max shoulder pads on he the he would, clay he would, face, you know? He, like his he looks like he's made of just like chalky yeah. clay. He's he's the treasure planet guy who's walking around Disneyland to take pictures with. Yes. Oh like <laughs> hundred percent. Yeah, that's beautiful. He's, he's Times Square Jim Hawkins. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. totally. Uh, so that that so like that actor never really did much else. Anything. Like no, he did. No, I looked at his IMDb because I was like, why don't I recognize this guy? This made no stars. No, I mean, no. Thor. It was a was, like. So sure. like Thora Birch was fresh off an Oscar win. They got her real quick. Like Joel Silver was like was like, no, we gotta get you. You gotta be the princess. And she signed on, and that brought like a little more legitimacy to the project and got like got it to the eyes of like Jeremy Irons. And you guys want to hear the greatest quote ever about why someone did a movie? When asked why okay. he did this film, Jeremy Irons replied. Are you kidding? Oh, yes. I read this. I just bought a castle. I had to pay for it somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, No, this has... <laughs> he has castle ownership uh, energy. Are you kidding me? I just bought a dungeon! Ugh. <laughs> 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 and, and I've so, never watched a more for a paycheck performance in my life. <laughs> oh, dude. Like... <laughs> When I heard that, like Anthony Hopkins, when he uh, he'll read a script and write NAR at the top when there's no acting required, and like he'll just have a pile of those when he wants to like make a paycheck, mm. and I was like, wow, Jeremy oh, Irons yeah. has done that a lot more than Anthony Hopkins ever. <laughs> but I was, I don't, I don't look down on that though. It's like I don't. It, it, this is I don't his if you job. admit it, you know, like go to fucking work, like a. What Robert Pattinson during the Twilight movies was openly like, "This is a fucking job. I don't like these movies." <laughs> no, and it's interesting. He's he might be the last batch of people to really make it out of that in terms of, you know, you think about um, the, Harry, the the Harry Potter kids and the Twilight kids all have their own distinct careers, but now you have these young people from you know the new Star Wars or something, and they kind of can't escape it. I yeah, mean, it, unless they were a little bit of something before, but like John Boyega and Daisy Ridley have only really worked in similar size movies, and still then they don't really. Well, John Boyega work. is Adam really Driver, sort to... of the 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 Jeremy Irons of that. Where like I was good before, I'm the exact same after. I think uh, John Boyega is trying to be Will Smith in '98. And just like sure, but he doesn't have but he doesn't other have, stuff going on. He doesn't, and it's like, and then now that sort of all halts with everything else going on. But it was sort of like, he, as much as like John Boyega is like a cool guy and kind of a decent actor, he's just like publicly like it's the hot take is it sounds like he's just kind of shitty to work with. Oh, really? <laughs> like uh, it, he's always constantly just like afterwards on a project, like really has some bad like, shit to say, you know. And I feel like, like he, he just he drags like a everything he works on, and it's like that's fine, like I look at that and I'm like, he's you. very talented, but 
yeah, I, why would I hire him over actors that I don't think are going to destroy my project in a press yeah. junket? And despite and- him being like so good <laughs> on the initial press tours, it's the press tour for the next movie that he shits talks the last movie. Mm-hmm. Where like you watch him and you're like, man, the fucking media training worked on this kid for the Star Wars. And then once it's done and he's promoting like Pacific Rim, he's like, yeah, yeah. Star Wars sucked, huh? He's great now, now I'm in a good movie like Pacific Rim 2. Now that I'm in Detroit and I can really launch my dramatic career. Oh, Detroit. A good I'd like movie. to talk about how no. fuck Star Wars. Um, so they uh, so during that time too, Solomon figures out like, oh, I can film in the Czech Republic. They already have castles. They already have chapels that'll let me film for cheap. It's half the budget. I can uh, get a lot of people out of there. A lot of the uh, actors are all. Uh, there's a lot of British actors in this movie for the majority of the stuff because it's easier to fly them to the Czech Republic than it is Americans. Uh, cool. Sweet. And during that time, it's weird that that comes into play. That came into play with Apocalypse Now, too, of just like creating maybe not great work environments just because of cheap like labor or travel or something. And sometimes you get a good movie and sometimes you get Dungeons and Dragons. Hey, man. (laughs) Uh, So really production sort of gets going like casting is sort of just like they get people that are interested or like want the paycheck. But as soon as like boots hit the ground, the budget gets cut a bunch and every actor except for Jeremy Renner has not Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Irons has to take a pay cut. And he only got Jeremy paid Renner. half a Jeremy castle. Renner. Yeah, half a castle. Um, so like, yeah. they knew <laughs> they still had to do Aragon. Like, Jeremy Irons for this. And so the rest of the money gets backed by Zaman. Uh, Courtney Solomon and Courtney Solomon's grandfather taking out a loan together to fill out the rest. Joel Silver, oh no money involved. And everyone's still like, but it's going to work. Joel Silver is just chill, just doing key bumps in a lagoon. <laughs> Not a dime in. Don't take too much of that. Don't do it. And, um, so they get there and they cut that, and then the set design is cut to 15 mil for the budget is just set design. Good sets. And yeah. I mean, hey, they flew they flew to the fucking dungeons. I think kind of good sets. I think the handmade yeah, sets. The sets are bad CGI. Here the sets the sets are were so decent, I honestly right. assumed that they were left over from another production. Yeah. Well, what's built? Like I was like excellent. these yeah. Well, that's because they rented it's out when the it's it's whenever it's when it's it's when they're on like the um the like the the roof in the climax when they have like yep. the CGI or like the green screened wide shots that everything looks like like absolute shit. But yeah, the eye room is cool. Like the built the bit the built set design stuff is it's and that's mm-hmm. like and so all of that together in a better time, directed movie it would probably be pretty right. cool. Mm-hmm. It seems yeah, like they, they keep going to the camera. same uh, like, like hallway and the same part of the forest. Like that's when it gets mm-hmm. a little stagey, but all of this sort of interiors with no, even the sort of the, the, where they, they have an entire conversation crying. Neither. There's not like, it's not like there's one tear. They are both crying the whole time and they eventually kiss <laughs> when he tells her she's smart. 
Um, that's a great like <laughs> matte painting with lights and looks kind of great. Yeah. No, that's, I they um, uh they they did they the, that big their big tavern scene where they tried to do like their uh their cantina. You know, they have they have their their little person that every every movie like this has to have a at least one little person. A fun fact uh, about that dwarf, guys. Fun fact about mm-hmm. that dwarf, 5'8". That dude's 5'8". Well, yeah, the, pretty fun. Yeah, the dwarf in the, in the party. Yeah, 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 totally. The dwarf, the one that that they are chilling, that they're hanging with. Yeah, their friend. God, yeah, the character that life. made me so uncomfortable because that fucking chicken in that beard is so. Oh my gross. god! It was literally like this is too much to have just fallen out. You like it there, and it's so gross. Well, it's otherwise it was really if gross. Do- if they do other takes, they, now well, they find him in the to go f- and put the chicken back. Sure, and there was yeah, one take yeah. where it went fucking wild. There was one wide I, shot. Where, I, oh my god! I'll chalk it up to the direction, the directing being bad. But when there is a person in the garbage, you're like, oh my lord! And then when the person from the garbage continues to be their friend, you're like, my lord. So this is a crazy garbage man <laughs> we need to run from. I don't think that guy, if tomorrow I, so tomorrow I'm going to wake up, I'm going to forget half this movie. Good. If you mm-hmm. told me there is not an orange haired bearded like dwarf in the, in the group, I believe you. Like, I don't think that guy's really in this movie. Like, does he say anything? Does he do anything except for tell her to stop the shopping? Chick, the chick who, the chick who looks like Rihanna is like, like the, at the end they try and make her be like, and she was part of the gang. And it's like, was she, she was kind she of a cop and never did anything time. to really yeah. help. She has armor. Her arm. Her armor has a belly button, and I have issues with that. And she's wearing khakis, <laughs> like like Kmart khakis. Hey, Most come- of the wardrobe is like Target Halloween costumes. Yeah, because oh, dude, dude, Ridley, dude, Wayne's Ridley. our our boy, our. Marlon, he's wearing a hoodie. Like he's just straight up in like a gray hoodie. And then like Ridley has jackets that won't zip together. None of it. Like it's all just open. And at no point could <laughs> yeah. you ever it's like, zip Jesus. that shit up. And so a lot of it is the design team. Nobody. It, it felt like a. Gr- it, it was basically a group project nobody wanted to be on because none of them could decide or agree on anything that was final. So everything kept like the next day would change because another designer came through and was like, ah, "I like this a little better," and it was really just like only the dude who made like the handmade sets did a good job, and then the rest of the stuff like the costuming yeah. is bad, like it's the, the the VFX are bad, and at that time it was um, on so- record as the most expensive independent film. Of all time, at forty millions. I mean, that's you. I mean, I I think we have to talk about at this point, Marlon Wayans. Yes. Yeah, I have <laughs> a. I have notes. <laughs> I have notes you wouldn't expect. I ha- I also have. Uh, well, here's my. So here's my take on him right i i was watching this movie and i felt like this was an inexperienced director 
not just like a bad director, but an inexperienced one because I felt like he's doing so much in every shot that he's in. Like he's got a little visual gag. He's doing, whether it's like stealing a little trinket off the table or petting a cat or, he, you know, he pretends to be wearing the armor and does the little gruff voice. <laughs> I was like, this is kind of fun. So Marlon he's, Wayne's the was thing on is, board is his, because he plays Dungeons and Dragons and he just wanted to be yeah, in that movie. I, that's wild. I don't, dislike him he here's the thing is he's the closest to how a real person probably plays yes. dungeons and dragons 100 percent. that's like, the take he's he's the like and i don't if he is doing that intentionally bravo to him because he but he was doing so much like it, you really need a director to be like okay i understand that take and we're going to make that work at these points you know what i mean but he's doing so much of that in every shot that he's in like he's doing so much extra so, that yeah it's crazy. I, I i was like i i was so distracted by him that I was like, he is, I texted it in the group chat, like, he is distracting in this movie. But then once he dies, I'm like, oh boy, I didn't realize how bad this movie was without snails. <laughs> like, know, it was right? bad already. The, but the now I really I read, need some snails. <laughs> we all watched this through Richard's Movies Anywhere um, account, which <laughs> I need to talk to you about one day. Um, and uh, the... Um, the little Rotten Tomatoes review says uh, people didn't like this and that and thinking that that this character at Snails was a racist character. Now, I understand that like that take that he is based, but that is pretty much I feel like that's a racist. I, I'm not, and I'm not here to lay down definitive evidence on either of these sides, but I don't think it's a racist portrayal of anything. I just think he has charisma and that stands out. I think yeah, in this movie, he's I like cool energy. I think, and like, he might yeah, be he has, he's some tone. energy and he's like, he's yeah. actually doing a decently natural performance. Like yes. when he says like, we can't break into that magic school. Like you believe right. that character doesn't think, whereas Ridley stands there and he's like, but imagine the score we could get. You're like, I can, I can see you practicing that line in your trailer, dude. He is acting. Like, yeah. Wayne's he's doing acting, high school acting. Uh, Ridley is, you know, and Wayne yeah, is, Wayne is, is committed. acting like everybody is acting bad. Like you would expect him to almost eventually say a line like, why are you acting so stiff? Like, He's he he's he he's doing really good sketch comedy acting. Right. Well, like, he's playing it like the guy. He's playing it like the Jim Boy Boy character, as if like he's playing it like if some '90s street tough was sent back to Dungeons and Dragons time and then had to react to everything. Sure. Yeah. Which like yes, maybe yes. that's kind of a cool movie if you I, could let him do more of that. Because like, why hire him if you are not going to have him play a modern funny person? So, if we think about that era of to like play, modern, like I guess to like a, 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 a sorry to like a, an analog to that is like Chris Rock in, um, or not Chris Rock. Sorry, fuck me. Uh, Ooh, this is racist. <laughs> Chappelle <laughs> in in Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh, where like he's sort of there to play the modern man observing the whole thing, and like that's sort of Wayne's take. But the script is not that. He's just performing the script like that. 
apparently right. like um so marlin like came up to court and he's like i like the script he's sort of like i'm a big D guy like uh, like i like the idea of playing like a thief and like went through what he want to do and i think it was just um i think courtney didn't want to listen to him for some reason or another i don't think it's bound in racism because i think the choices marlin makes for that character are his own and not the choices of the like uh, of yeah. the director and it you're defined be, by a personality, not by a generalization. Because it would be racist if that wasn't who Marlon Wayans was in the rest of his career. Yeah, it's like when you hear Ahmed Best talk and you're like, oh, he's doing a lot to be Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't. So if you think about the trajectory of like Marlon Wayans at that time, because that's like 99, like Scary Movie hadn't really come out yet. That's like a couple years later. But before that, like he was supposed to be Robin in the Tim Burton Batman movies. Like they actually had made an action. Oh, interesting. They had made an oh, action right. figure. And um, yes. when they canceled him you can being find in the this. movie. A, a whited out. It's a whited um, out. It's a white face. Yeah. Uh, like Marlon Wayne's action figure. of like, It's and, a white chick's action figure. No, it yeah. literally is. Go, look this up. It is a <laughs> it's, nightmare. It's wild. And there's just this thing of like studios really like the idea of putting Marlon Wayans in movies at the, around that for that whole decade, you know? And it's like even big prestige studios liked him. Like he was in Jackie Brown for a minute because Tarantino really likes him. And like he uh, he was in, in uh, he was in what? Like Requiem for a Dream. And he does like these other movies to try to like solidify uh, how much of a legitimate actor. Wow, this is the Robin toy that I had. As a kid, because it, it had like it had like the grappling hook and stuff. How I didn't know the game you were, but I was playing with a young Wayne's. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just like, I think they didn't give him enough credit for like, I think I know how I could carry this movie. And it was like the movie should have not been Ridley as the main character. It should have been Snails in a different way, you know? That name is pretty upsetting. It's pretty distracting. Too. It's Snails, yeah. obscene. It's so ridiculous. Especially when there's the crying scene when they're like, that's what happened when, when you let snails die. Like, <laughs> it's like you almost for a second forget there was a character named Snails and you're like, wait, what happened with Snails? It's It's an upsetting character. And like I said, I initially hated it. But then as soon as it's gone, there's any chemistry is ripped out of the movie. Can I compare it to another death like that um, is Chris Rock in The Longest Yard. Where it's like so the Chappelle in The Longest Yard. Yeah, the Chappelle in The Longest Yard. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the thing about Mike Pfeiffer canceled? in The Longest Yard is that like – he has this whole like he's caretaker. He does everything for everybody, and then he just dies in the middle. And I don't watch the movie from then on because I feel like the rest of the movie I don't care anymore. You know? Oh, that you're wrong because they got Kevin Nash. He's acting like a girl. It's really funny. And then there's oh, I, I've, I've seen it, but it's just like I'm bummed because there's no more caretaker. No, but you got Kevin Nash, and he's like hugging people. And then there's that guy who puts his head in the locker. It's a good yeah. movie, guys. <laughs> cheeseburger eddie baby um so you guys want to talk we're going down I got the, the cast. shakes that'll make you quake i got the fries that'll cross your eyes i got the burgers 
I just got burgers. I just got burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Good movie. Until Chris Rock dies. Uh, <laughs> like, that's the thing is, like, this movie doesn't have, like, is there a memorable quote from this movie? No. The me- most I memorable quote. I, I laughed at, it's not a quote, and I, I'm going to paraphrase it because I still don't even know it. But I did laugh at, um, be safe. And he goes, hey. You too. <laughs> and then bounce his head. <laughs> and I proceeded to laugh very hard. Yeah, I mean that's solid. <laughs> but no, no, sure. no, no notable quotes. Um the most notable quote is, Are you kidding? I just bought a cat. I'm not oh, drinking. I had to pay for it somehow. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're not shopping. You're not shopping. Because <laughs> it's then, like you you're that's when I was like, oh, we might. Okay, maybe this character will be kind of fun and gruff. And I don't think he talks like, ever again. This this movie, I was watching it, and I'm like, man, this just goes to show you how bad they could have fucked up Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it or just shows you how bad you could have fucked up, like, a group movie, like a party. You know what I mean? How easily sure. that could be fumbled of just making nobody interesting or fun. I can't get. O- I know we're. I'm backtracking. I can't get over that great take that like, and I want to hope it's rel- that it's that it's true that Wayans is playing it like a person who is playing D and D that he's trying to be because he is he's the sort of the writer of the group or writer in that cast. He's maybe right. the, the best writer that was on that set, um, and he's sort of like. This needs somebody to, that can level with the audience. I think that's that's maybe the right read. Whether or not that was super on his mind, he must have known. Like, man, this is way too off to be. He's he's the only person in this movie that's elevating at any kind of level that you can read into, because there's something yeah. being done there. And maybe. the only person with the you energy I mean? <laughs> of a of a character in a movie to where yeah. I am not. When I saw him, even though he's dressed in a hoodie with an earring and basically like a Dungeons and Dragons version of a beanie, like he is. Um, I, I I just nailed what I'm feeling on the the whole rest of the cast. I I, I watched it hit you. Yeah, it, it, you this, almost. If it, anybody heard a slight clap, it was Kyle <laughs> hesitating to applaud himself. For whatever is it about feels to come. like wait till we applaud it him. It feels baby. like in a in an episode of something when the when they cast goes to like medieval times and they meet like a group of characters. <laughs> These all feel like those characters that they don't really get to flush out because they got to get like the Futurama gang back home. <laughs> this is, you know? These are the characters that. <laughs> <laughs> that the real that the like the main characters never show up so we're stuck with these fuckers yeah, these which i guess NPCs. is technically yeah. a yeah, of like, guardians of the galaxy <laughs> yeah. but guardians of the galaxy has like a sense of empathy <laughs> and this is literally yeah. like watching action figures well uh, a, oh my God. a big issue that a lot of the uh, a, a big reason a lot of the sets were kind of shitty too to go back to something else was that uh the the laws that the Czech Republic had in place because they were still really communist and they would go through all the no like, good the mail. sets good it, laws no good sets against law the, they couldn't get the proper make adhesive. a joke about shopping <laughs> make another one. If you make movie, you must put chicken in beard. Is law. 
whole chicken, <laughs> not a piece of chicken, a whole chicken. <laughs> you must have bar scene with tiny man. Why is there no belly button in the armor? There is belly button on woman. <laughs> This Snails man. must die. Please. Why does this man not this have silver lips? Guy. Please give this man silver lips. If you do anything for me, silver lips is all <laughs> Why are you talking so fast? Say every sentence very, very slow. <laughs> Yo, that guy is taking his fucking yeah. time. He's really that making a meal out of Snape yeah. without goodness <laughs> no he's getting paid by the hour no, no. Like for sure on set. <laughs> and every and is saying things like we'll kill you slowly i'm like i, I believe it buddy <laughs> i would imagine that you would seems, this out that seems to be the real threat in this world isn't whether or not you're going to die it's the speed at which you will suffer <laughs> it's always an adjective like we're gonna kill you Painfully, as opposed to like, put you to sleep and then it'll be like a dream. Yeah, that dude. I think he killed him. Are there not multiple shots where it looks like someone is fucking him from behind? (laughs) Not one, but maybe three. (laughs) And like, not accidentally like these are weird this is a pretty standard issue like sh- like the the shots of this movie are pretty basic that anytime i could do this something weird comes up it has intention so like <laughs> you're framing this guy as a guy that gets fucked it's so bizarre because sweet productions like, those, those those shots as a daily there's no way that all the adults on that set aren't like Oh yeah, it looks like he's Jeremy Irons is nailing this dude from behind. And then like and then like three weeks later on set, like on the fucking thing, the the here the the uh, Ridley is doing it and he's just like is, have we been doing this the whole time? Is that what is this? Oh my god. Yeah, now that's an action thing, figure. Yeah, the other thing Courtney Solomon directed <laughs> that's was a, the that's shadow a three piece set from- right there. <laughs> And he basically has like the Johnny Knoxville Men in Black Two thing in his head, where like these weird face <laughs> so meat let, things come let me out give of his you, ears. Let me give you context to what that is supposed to be, Spike. And oh then- yeah, so I watched this with my girlfriend who who is also a little more kind of studied on D and D, and she told me there were there there is a fair amount of like D and D love here. It, it, there's a lot, honestly. A little. There's like there's a, a little thing, like an, a seer guy that they're. Oh, uh, and then there's, there's the lock picking thing. There's that beholder. Yeah, that the, guy, the yeah. beholder. So the beholder, BB. The beholder is a creature that like uh, will have all those like eyes you saw going <laughs> around it. Right. Each one has a gem in it, which is a different spell. And they, uh, they're like these insanely like telepathic, like masterful creatures. So to have it just roaming hmm. the hallways like that was just weird, you know, at, treating it like a dog. It, That's what she yeah. said. Too, I mean, it, it was like, cool. It, those things it was cool to see deals. it on screen, but they're, yeah, it's like having 
like dude that's like godzilla an omega neighbors like, <laughs> yeah. <right>. dog <laughs> if like the joker yeah. was out of focus in a batman movie yeah suicide squad yeah it was it was like it was like okay it's i guess we could bro. see that but it, it's weird that he's just there uh so but there um, were some little things like jeremy jeremy irons has like a familiar which is like his weird little imp thing that he can like hear through oh, yeah. the ears of when he that wants thing to I was not into and like that's that's a D thing i guess so the the but thing like, inside, a, lot, a lot of the the thing inside damadar's head is uh for budgetary reasons went inside his head but it was supposed to be a mind flayer which is the main villain of the stranger things show and uh it's really just like because oh, their villains are sort of named or created after their yeah. those kids D stuff okay yeah i'm like and, wait <laughs> Yeah, uh, because the way they understand threats in this world is through D&D language, which is just how they live their lives. Also, the villain sure. of the new uh, Baldur's Gate game going to be Mind Flayers. Uh, the graphics on that game look insane. I will never play it. <laughs> that is my take. <laughs> I have no opinion on it. I will never play it. <laughs> it's uh, too big for my computer. Yeah, uh, why are games so much now? <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it it's over like 150 gigabytes to just put onto a laptop. I'm not doing that. You have to like buy a, a hard drive with every new game. Yeah, it's, yeah, just hard drives and just label it what game because it is. Because even with with new patches and DLC they're like we're not even done. Yeah, like it, it's like 150 no, gigs worth on closed. like the new Call of Duty. Yeah, I had to I I I couldn't do that. I, I couldn't do GTA. I'm like Madden 2016 is done so it will it will always be just six gigabytes <laughs> yeah, we will always right. have this weird franchise where i accidentally traded tony romo and it's like why do i even fucking play <laughs> <laughs> i think there's this thing in the world where you either get sports or you get fantasy that's an interesting take you, you know, don't think like James Cameron is watching. Well, I mean, the, like, know, there's boxing. obvious there's obvious people who live inside the Venn diagram, you know, uh, that like love both cross sections. But it's either isn't like, it weird would, that David Ayer is one of those guys? Yeah, where like he's all in on fantasy, but you know he's like a fucking roided out weirdo. Joe Manganiello too, you know, like yes, yeah, super yeah. nerd who like big D and D player Joe Manganiello. No yeah, involvement like, with yeah, the big show. <laughs> oh, is he uh, a super nerd? Vin Vin Diesel as Vin well. Diesel is a big D and D guy. Elijah Wood used to make a lot of money. Oh, that's uh, right. Do, uh, being a professional, Elijah DM Wood roided. Like you would pay him to DM a session. Roided, roided. <laughs> the right motherfucker. <laughs> the right DM, dude. That's what I'm saying. Elijah Wood to show up. <laughs> Elijah Wood is famously <laughs> fucking stacked. Yeah, yeah, dude. He'll fucking kick your ass, bro. Oh man, they're thinking about him for the next Bond. If your Robin action figure isn't customly painted to look exactly like Marlon Wayans again, he will beat your fucking ass. So, like, don't fuck with Elijah Wood. So that's sort of the journey that like Dungeons and Dragons the movie took to get made. You know, like that was the develop. It, It was grueling. It got there. It didn't make its money back. It uh, afterwards, everyone thought it was awful. I read Roger Ebert's review that said it's a movie that doesn't know, like 
uh, he said a lot of stuff about like you earnestly would not like Dungeons and Dragons if you didn't know it. Before. I liked There's I like, liked that I liked that quote though. It's a movie that just doesn't know. It just doesn't know. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Just doesn't know. It just doesn't, doesn't know what well, it wants to be. And it's yeah. a case of like I heard Baby Driver get described in this like such a great way, and it may have been by Edgar Wright. Movie. Yeah, it was from Edgar Wright where he's like, "Baby's that drive." He goes, everybody, every actor is in the same movie. And when you hear that, you realize how actually rare that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a case where nobody is in the same movie. And no, it seems like nobody, it, this seems like a movie where nobody hung out after shooting. Nobody it, got drinks. Nobody talked to each other. Not that they hated each other, but that this feels like it was a gig all around and that everybody bought, brought different energy to it. And that's sort of the exact, I mean, that's the making of a bad D&D game, right? Is that everybody is bringing yeah, in different intention and different, yeah, this was a game with like technically a good dungeon master and then it had this obsessive nerd for D&D making it. But the players were constantly fucking around and like making jokes about his decisions, which right. I, I can imagine is not how you want to make a D&D game. Well, and the Marlon Wayans, like we talk about this a lot with a lot of these movies, but it, this sort of feels like one of the ultimate also like putting that character in sort of one of the most hardcore uses of like, oh, we're ashamed of the thing we're making low yeah. key still. Yes. You know, which like, I think, didn't we talk about this a few, maybe we talked about this a few weeks ago of like yeah. being embarrassed about, by yeah. your source material. And, and sort of having to make excuses for, for what is, for what the fans, for what the fans of the source material maybe like about it. And I I think that's one of those things that really made like the dark Knight pop was that it was one of the first takes like that, that never tried to have like a wink and a nod and be like, Oh, it's a bad credit card. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) where at the same time, I, I don't think Nolan ever had reverence for fandom. I just think he Probably like not. he approached it like what can I love about this and then what can I leave well, out? That's why the Which most I think Batman- it seems like that's what Matt Reeves is doing too, where it's like, oh, this guy seems like he's pulled five of the ten made ingredients of Batman and, and for that it's gonna work because he seems to really like those five. Well, it's like <clears throat> that's why the Dark Knight is different from Batman Begins itself, because Batman Begins does live in a comic book universe, you know, and it's, it's written by David S. Yaboyer, and it's just like totally just like symbolically like different. I think it's a better Batman movie. I do, too. I think it's the best Nolan Batman. I, I think it is because he wasn't directing his own words. I think it's and this is when Nolan directs his own words. You get a pile of doggy poo poo, which we've been texting about. Mm. <laughs> we we both have different doggy poo poo. We like pointing at for sure. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, as this movie comes out, the whole time in production is Lord of the Rings. Like New Line Cinema is making Lord of the Rings in New Zealand. It comes out in two thousand one, and so uh-huh. like. They knew they were never going to get a sequel. Like Dungeons and Dragons tanked, and there wasn't like the studios weren't hungry for fantasy. Like, kind of nobody was. At least they didn't leave the movie open ended for a sequel. That's good. Oh yeah, for sure. But guess what? Surprise! <laughs> there are two sequels. 
They have nothing to do with the story. They are two Dungeons and Dragons movies that were made in England. And the only thing that comes back is Damodar, the dude with the silver lips. See, this is why there's like war. This is why there's bad stuff everywhere. And like, 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 here's the thing. And I really do mean this. A bunch of kids got sold to adults today all around the world. And that's because of Dungeons and Dragons. And I've said my piece. (laughs) (laughs) And so those sequels all got made as one of those like, you know, we have to do it so we keep the rights sort of Spider-Man things. You know, like sure, uh, because you gotta keep those rights. Otherwise, gotta, someone else might make a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Which now that uh, having that, which you know that there was cow. some weird, like as if there was some fucking Steven Spielberg, like oh, they made one. We almost had the rights. Well, and they've been trying to <laughs> get it back. Yeah. Sitting on this cash Francis cow. Francis Ford Coppola is just. <laughs> it's like when they're like, ball. "We gotta make another Fantastic Four, or else someone else will make it." It's like, but you've proven that it can't be good. <laughs> so why are you rushing another one out? So why do you a- think Miles Teller is the answer to this? Here's a fun tangent I'll have about Fantastic Four is that now it's at the point where every fan thinks that they know how to make a good Fantastic Four movie because they all have a pitch in the comments that it's now it would only ever be a movie made by committee and it would never be good. Well, I think we have a few things coming down the pike right now that are going to be an interesting case study for movies that are made completely by committee and completely by fan um completely in the name of fan service in that like maybe the Spider-Man three and the Snyder cut of like what happens when fans are allowed to, and even rise of Skywalker was this like what happens when fans are pretty much given creative autonomy and the filmmakers are only executors of comment sections. You know, it's like, it feels like a studio said we don't need to do like test audiences anymore because we have it every time we log into Facebook. I like the first hour of of Trank's Fantastic Four. I like the I like the movie that it looks like he made. I uh, up I until do, they they yeah. get they get turned they get turned, yeah. which seems like when the reshoot started. The, but like, there's a there's a time jump. Uh, yeah. Everything before the time jump, I would argue, is like well, really decent. great and engaging. They, well, yeah. they filmed yeah. It. They Chronicle did film is like, a well directed movie. Josh Trank is is and even Capone is like has a big idea and when you bring a big idea to a superhero movie it typically is interesting you know like yeah the problem i mean i don't know if we're ever going to do that uh that dude josh trank's fantastic four was that when he presented them with a two-hour cut and nobody had superpowers they got mad right and i understand that 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 isn't truly an adaptation of the books but like this whole thing is about rights retention. Just let him yeah. fucking make a weird movie. Yeah, he was just like, "What if I made Interstellar?" You know, it's uh, it was the look and feel he was going for for sure. But then Trank really boyeged himself by like sandbagging that movie before it even came out. Yeah, because it made him lose yeah. Boba Fett. Which that it, in that we lost Boba Fett, and I'm okay with it. No, like I'm good because I don't need two more hours of why Boba Fett is interesting. Well, we also gained Mandalorian because of it because they said we can't do anything with the Boba Fett movie. So they were like, we already (laughs) made the helmet. 
Um, but we have helmet. So but we made this helmet. Movie, but we have helmet. This yeah. cost us like four grand. We're just not going to use it. Helmet. Now that helmet we're good, though. Sort of like we. You know how Yoda's about- old. What if you baby? What if he's a baby? <laughs> what, what if, if he's a cute little whippersnapper? What if he baby? baby? Um, so now that we've kind of talked about Dungeons and Dragons, the movie two, uh, from the year 2000, um, sort of it is that big trend of like fantasy always kind of sucked until 2001, you know? Of just like uh, in, to And then it audiences. kind of wasn't good again until game of thrones yeah right right. like what what like what's between game of thrones and harry potter harry potter well yeah but harry potter i would i would argue is almost like like i i just don't put it with fantasy for some weird reason there's high fantasy and there's low fantasy sure you know and yeah it's kind of low fantasy low fantasy is what worked for a while is because people wanted translations of stuff from the real world to the fake world you know they wanted dresden files x files that sort of like what if we put a human in a world full of magic right bridge to terabithia yeah Yeah. uh more dead kids in this episode what if she what if she did yeah i'm looking at other movies like you could argue that i mean it's actually i would say that pirates of the caribbean eventually gets into pretty deep lore fantasy but that comes that becomes yeah, its but own it, genre. it also starts like action um, you know you what i mean your, it just kind of starts like action adventure but like pirate lore Beowulf. pirate lore is like its own fantasy as beowulf well, though, nobody yeah. likes yeah. that Oof. um beowulf is high fantasy, movies dip into high fantasy but they sort of they, weaponize high fantasy book. in a sci-fi thing yeah it's yeah sort but of i mean a, most of this is going to come of, from some source material so yeah, it was just sort of, it never stuck until someone was like, what if I truly make Lord of the Rings? You know, and, and w- what right. if I lose my life? What if I like lose 200 pounds making these movies, you know? But and- that's the thing about, but about, about fantasy too, of like, even since, Ga- hasn't it only ever been Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones? Even post Game of Thrones, what has worked? Um, so what's working right now is everything in development is um, so Amazon has a Lord of the Rings show in development. There oh are my fucking god! There are two. Uh, <laughs> I just got like I just got like matter but than I wanted Jamie to. Jamie Fox Jeff. is coming back as Electro Spike. Calm down. He was setting a fire in his room, but I got him to stop. And then the boys are back in town. The boys. You're my eyes and ears on the street. <laughs> don't forget to toss a coin. Fantasy? Don't forget to toss a coin to your Witcher, though. I yes, yeah. Oh, you know what? I did. I ended up forgetting to toss a coin to my goddamn Witcher. Damn Witcher. I did a fat four and a half episodes, and I'm like, this thing doesn't seem to like me. <laughs> But you see how I've like, never seen a more misanthropic collection of footage and audio than the, the fucking first season of The Witcher, where I was just like, this thing seems like it's all good. Like, it didn't invite me. I didn't want to show up. So what am, what are we doing here looking at each other? <laughs> but it was a big hit. And like fantasy sort of worked in video games more than it was working at all. Right. In film. Yeah, truly. And it was well, like because you had Dragon video Age, games and no? novels and graphic novels and everything that isn't film can exist non-literally and it can retain possibility. Whereas with film, you are limited to what is on camera 
And because of that, it will never be interesting. You literally have to go to New Zealand and shoot nine hours with a helicopter, which is Lord of the Rings, to make it look as expansive as the books or as the genre wants to feel. So when you film something without a billion dollars of a budget, it will ultimately be frustrating because you're only limited to, I mean, what is Dungeons and Dragons the movie? It's like a, a movie that takes place in 20 rooms. It's a but if you play the game, possibility, or read the book, or play a video game, those things are all about possibility. You know, there are corners right. of video games that you love that you, you've never seen a certain corner of some room. But you know if you turned around, it would be there. Whereas with film, the decisions have already been made for you. And there is no detail that is not literal. And because of that, it feels limiting in a genre that is all about epic possibility. In 100% true. I think that what happens with the film industry is once fantasy sticks once, they're like, all right, we got to just like, there's just like that mad money dude that's like, put all your stock in the fantasy sure. and like just throwing it in there. I've heard stories <laughs> that like um, uh, in like the middle of like season four of uh, Game of Thrones, somebody was at like a general meeting at a studio and they peeked their head in a room. And it was a picture of every star of Game of Thrones. And it said, want to work with any of these. You know, it's like once right. fantasy becomes hot, it is hot because it's so hard to get right. When it's like, you well, can get it's a, that thing. Well, of we like, were, <clears throat> go ahead. Sorry, sorry. We were, we were pitching shows like while uh, Game of Thrones was sort of at its, at its peak. And all of the, I mean, we were pitching comedy, but all of the like drama departments were all like after like a big tent pole, uh, like, you know, huge world based, you know, drama property that could be their every, you know, their game of Thrones, every streaming every, service has one. their game of every, Thrones. like, uh, even like HBO max is doing two game of Thrones prequels. Uh, like they have the Witcher over at Netflix. The Netflix is also, I heard doing Lion right, the witch right. in the wardrobe and like all the Narnia's over again. Uh, Narnia kind of worked. That was one that was in between the like Game of Thrones and Lord yeah, of the Rings. Yeah, I guess it, it started work, then it petered off. I guess because it's, the, it's sort of it's yeah, sort it's of somewhere between two sequels that don't exist. And they just actually came out in theaters, and they're so fucking beautiful too. If you watch those movies, there's some of those beautiful like footage I've ever seen of just like land. <laughs> sure, um, but the problem with uh, with Narnia and why those never met the finish line with all of the movies is the main executive producer and writer of all of them killed himself. Hmm. It was well, like. He have a like, great week. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> uh, but that's telling you fantasy takes a toll on you guys. Um, but it's – I just think it's so weird that Hollywood is always chasing this like big like fantasy like MacGuffin of just like we have to get the thing that is like the Star Wars of fantasy. And no one's really like getting it. Lord of the Rings got it, but they still didn't get it well enough because The Hobbit didn't work. Fuck. That's what I'm saying is this has only no. ever worked twice. This it's, has it's, only ever worked twice. And there's so much they're putting into the new Dungeons and Dragons movie they're trying to make. They're putting so like. But this is the, the fucking problem where if the second something works, nobody wants to get fired. So they buy every property. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with Twilight. Where, 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 mm -hmm. where Paramount let Twilight. I think it was Paramount. Let Twilight. Twilight. 
leave. You know, they had they had it. They developed it into into like shit. It left. Summit grabs it, builds a studio out of it, gets bought by Lionsgate. Like, and now all of a sudden, you're gonna get fired if you don't buy and adapt Divergent. Yo, and it's a similar right. thing where like, oh fuck, we need to make Game of Thrones yeah. is Game of Thrones. So now Outlander has to be a big deal. A maze runner. And it's like because of Hunger Games and Game of Thrones at the same time. You know, that's what I'm like, saying. Yeah. Is like, is is it, we're in a similar thing of like. Game of Thrones is another Lord of the Rings of this reaction where we're getting a lot of golden compasses. Which we just had yeah. a season of Golden Compass too on HBO. There's a, they they redid Golden Compass? Yeah, with Lin Manuel Miranda. They might as well have not. Really? I didn't even know it existed and I yeah. don't want it. And who cares? It was that's it, a real thing. Like, yeah, and the main girl is the girl from Logan. Okay. God, His Dark is... Materials, HBO, last year. Oh, that's a Golden Compass thing? That That's what Golden Compass is like. That's what the whole series is called is His Dark Materials. Oh, based on a book called... Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, this looks terrible. I <laughs> <laughs> See, like it happens and the studio, they're always chasing it. Like we always think fantasy is gone from the like idea of a studio, but it's always there. It's always there no matter what. And it's always going to fail. Until it doesn't. Studios are definitely going to chase the, 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 no pun pun definitely intended, chase that dragon of Game of Thrones for many years like they chased the Lord of the Rings dragon for many years. You know what I mean? And, And it didn't work. And it sort of had to take on a whole different sort of look and vibe and approach with game of thrones than it than lord of the rings you know what i mean like it's a very different vibe and tone and take on a that sort of world um and i don't know how many more times you can do that to sort of reignite that spark sure it has it's um it's an interesting genre where despite it's it's seemingly limitless possibilities it has so many rules and only so many things you can introduce an audience to where like there's a troll in everything. It's a different kind of troll, but like that word exists. So like it's a somewhat limited genre in that regard too, unless you can afford yourself like six seasons or six movies to explore everything. This is again, the problem of like, by only saying you're going to do... It's like similar to a biopic. You're now limited to only two hours worth of how interesting this can be. Right. So what's your guys' take on who's doing Dungeons & Dragons, though? Like the new movie that's coming out is being written by John Francis Daly and his writing partner, who, you know, did like Horrible Bosses, Spider-Man Homecoming. Like they get passes at like everything. And right now they're doing their... They're in the middle of their second draft of Dungeons & Dragons. And like they're saying, like they are gonna. It has their comedic tone, but they're not gonna be a spoof of fantasy, is what they're promising. Which it's like you're just not gonna care at any point. I mean, those. Do, I mean, I I care about sort of what trends are, obviously, or or what something. Yeah. I'm always here to. I'm always here to watch a trailer for something. Uh, I think that those two have always seemed like a bit of a Kmart. Um, I mean, that's too mean, but a a different version of 
the Lord and Miller thing of like find out what's hard yeah, they sell feel like about another. something and then invert it. But what the what those two known for like with something like Vacation, which they made, Awful. or even their original stuff like Horrible Bosses, I think is actually kind of all right. But like their sense of irony is always so critical of itself. And I worry that it's that kind of thing we're talking about where it's embarrassed, even though they might, these two might be nerds and, oh, he was in Freaks and Geeks and less than that. Like, it's, I'm, I'm worried it's going to have that sense of being embarrassed about being a Dungeons and Dragons movie. I think 100%, like, I can see now them giving a script that's full of, like, love and this fun, fun fantasy adventure yeah. and, a, and a producer going, why isn't this, like, game night? Right. No, well, I, I I hope so. I mean, I hope that they run into that problem. My concern is that their take is, uh, you know, what if somebody was like, why are you rolling the dice? Just punch him. Like, you know, like weird little shtick. Yeah, they uh, they said they just hope people uh, like the characters is like they just really hope you like wh- who the characters are, which is like what everyone says when they don't have a story. Yeah. Or they have a take that's so... Kind of. It sounds like this this version has been in development hell for quite some time. (laughs) Yes, we have a future episode uh, follow up coming down the road. Well, because because I'm reading here that in 2015 is when they started doing this, uh, reportedly starring Ansel Elgort. Yeah, cancel Uh, Elgort more like like it, right? And then in December 2017, after various degrees of uh, progression, the film was moved to Paramount Pictures with Sweet Pea Entertainment still attached uh-huh. and Allspark Pictures. Isn't Allspark Pictures? That's, the, that's Hasbro's the division tra- that uh, made Transformers and is working on making toy, uh, movies out of all their toys. Okay, so maybe they have toys rights to Dungeons. And Dragons. Very yeah. strange. Hasbro makes um, all the toys. That, like the right, so a Michael that Bay same Dungeons year, and Dragons, I'll, I'd show up for. I'm into that. Uh, that same year, Joe Magniello, an avid fan of role play games, yep. took it upon himself to revitalize the uh, film adaptation. The actor revealed that he had been negotiating the rights to make the film, uh, while Magniello and John Kazel were hired to co-write the script for the project. By February of the following year, the project had re-entered development as a co-production with Brian Goldner and Stephen Davis producing for Paramount Pictures and Allspark Pictures. Negotiations began with Chris McKay to serve as director with uh, and Chris McKay David made, Leslie. Chris McKay is the guy that made the Lego Batman movie and I think is attached to a Nightwing movie that'll never happen. Yeah, it's just like how Interesting. Uh, like I don't ever think the Flash movie is going to happen. Like there's still all that stuff that's yeah. not yeah. Um you have to I, I would imagine an easy version of like a you if you have to write Dungeons and Dragons in 2016 um that the easy version is like basically what they do in Jumanji 2. You know, yeah. like well, what if Dopey so, and he, he would have directed so that came heroes. Yeah, it's Gygax's original. He would have directed that he would have directed that with the writer him. the writer of Aquaman. Which is which is I thought was two people, but it's Des David Leslie Johnson Goldrick. That's one that's dude. A single name. That's or not Mick, a law Mick, firm. Mick Goldrick. Also, that dude. De- David Leslie Johnson. Mick Goldrick. Uh, Aquaman. Aquaman two. The Conjuring two. So James Wan's guy. Yeah. Um, His yeah, one and only. And so they they were working on the film together. 
<coughs> and that guy had actually completed so he's completed a draft of Dungeons and Dragons, but then 2019 it was revealed that Michael Galeo had completed a rewrite of the Johnson McGoldrick work uh, with studio executives expressing excitement in the film. The studio is in negotiation with various talents as the casting process begins, but then in 2019, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein entered early negotiations to direct the film. So by January 2020 effort <laughs> the filmmaking duo announced they had co-written a new draft of the script later that year the film's release date was shifted to november 19th to may 27th 2020 they're taking note they're taking meetings with like jj abrams and they're like why do you want to make this and then movie, i heard like a new director <laughs> i heard a new director was actually announced like a couple days ago oh things are why would you announce a director being attached to a movie right now I don't Nothing's going to happen. Everything's pe- going to end. <laughs> people are just dropping news to make sure that their product is still relevant in social media. Right, right. You know, it's it's this weird complicated thing of like if we ever get a Dungeons and Dragons movie, it won't be what everyone liked because that's a world built by everyone's imagination. And why do I want to look at these other people's imagination when I have that, you know? I have that with my friends sure. already. And, and I feel like – and I'm a more open nerd to these types of environments and these types of movies and things than a lot of other people that are diehard fans of these things. Like, Because I can like look at a movie and be like, yeah, it takes place in its own thing and it's its own movie. It doesn't have to ruin what I like about the whole – the thing as a whole. But if this movie is bad, it's going to turn off all of these Dungeons and Dragons sure. fans. You know? And – all of them are people that are like that, you know, where it's like if you make one more bad Batman movie, they'll think they'll, they'll just never watch Batman again. Yeah. And it like ruins their soul. But they always come back. They come back. That's because what all this is built on. They, they come back because they're little hoes like everyone. But it's like just admit it. There like, hasn't you know? been a good Batman movie since the Dark Knight and everyone can't stop. Can't stop fucking talking about some new Batman movie. With a director that they've never cared about and an actor they've never cared about. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It's uh, well, I think it's it's an interesting case study. It is, yeah. So, who's pitching the next movie, guys? Well, you guys, I just wanted to say I feel like this has been an unholy episode. And I want to bring the good spirit in. So let us pray. And shepherds we shall be for thee, my Lord, for thee. power hath descended forth from thy hand that our feet may swiftly carry out thy command. So we shall flow a river forth Spike to thee. Spike is glowing. And teeming with souls. He's floating and glowing. In and what is he Et fili de spiritu sancti. The brothers McManus. The boondock saints, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, it'll be my first time seeing it. Yeah, (laughs) I like the Spike's trend of movies that are famous that I just haven't bothered to watch yet. I it's it's a it's a movie that is probably not good. I have not seen it in a long time. Honestly, these are like (laughs) this movie, a production history that a lot of people don't know. And I dare you and listeners and our and our one listener in Sweden. We value who we value very much. Shout out to my um, boy or girl or they. Um, hope you're Latinx. To to merely watch the movie. 
<laughs> and wait for next week's episode to hear the unbelievable saga of actually what made such a like simple movie to actually come out. Well, I'm excited. This sounds great. Yeah, me too. Fuck yeah, boys. That's two hours on the Dungeons and Dragons movie from 2000. Longer than the that movie. We longer just than produced. the movie. Uh, which longer than the movie is what short we produced. that movie was. Mm-hmm. Movies are so too long, man. Taunt, I think uh, Boondock Saints movie. might be longer than Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and Boondock Saints takes place now with normal what, what stuff. Was the, you know what wild? was the box office specs of Dungeons and Dragons? You know what's wild about Dungeons and Dragons and Boondock Saints is you can find them in the same bin at Walmart. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that you can probably find them in a two pack. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, all that's... right. So their budget was forty-five mil, right? Yeah, yeah that's that's a lie. You know, twenty-one mil of that was more... twenty-one mil of that was pure cash. By the way, that's that's a little <laughs> pure more cash than, in uh, bags. And they and they still things. had to use an actual like a Home Depot thirteen foot skeleton prop toy as villain. like a villain. And as a <laughs> as a quick little preview, budget for Boondock Saints six million. The box office, thirty grand. Wait, really? Three zero comma four seven one. <laughs> I didn't know that that movie had made such little money. I always you thought Boondock Saints ready was a big hit. for what Ooh. happened to this movie. What a preview for okay, your shit middle school friend told you to watch it. I heard sure, there was sure. a firefight. There was a firefight. <laughs> but so Dungeons and Dragons only made seven mil, seven point two out of forty five budget. Yeah, and so most of that money was my uncle's. <laughs> it was in release for fifty five weeks <laughs> and aired was in theaters for a year. Uh, <laughs> Remember when movies hour hour forty seven castle. Movies. It was in theaters until Lord of the Rings came out. <laughs> Yeah, that'll kick you out. Remember when movies just stayed there even when they sucked? Dude, for so long. They would be in theaters for so long. I remember We're kind of there now again, aren't we? Where like there's only bad movies yeah. in movie theaters and like there's Tenet and then there's like the level under that is like New Mutants. And I can say like Tenet at least looks like a functional, like interesting movie. And then under that is movies that would have come out on fucking Crackle. <laughs> yeah. Crackle exclusive, just like our pod. Just like Joe Dirt 2, Crackle exclusive. Yeah. Yeah, that has some interesting jokes. Oh, man. And this is bit, this was recorded on the day that Quibi died. On the day oh, yeah. that Quibi died. A few, I think we did it last week. We're, a few things in the news, even just today. Quibi died. R.I.P. Um, Quibi. Yep, Quibi's dead. Jared, Jared Leto's Joker lives. I think so. Did Jared Leto's Joker walk out of Quibi like pressing the button over and over again? Yeah, yeah. And then finally, Quibi finally. He was like looking at behind. Him. He's looking at the app, just going, "I'm gonna hurt you real bad." It seems like it's even like a Warner Media like final dick move of like we're not even gonna let your death be big news. 
Yeah. Well, it's bizarre too that they just yesterday yeah. like put out like you can stream it now on the TV, and then today they're like, so turns out. So we were hoping, like, were they hoping they'd put that out and then right. a million people would download it and That's sign back up? It's like, were they were they kind of lying until the bitter end, or were was the plug pulled that swiftly and publicly? I think the plug was pulled uh, like that swiftly in public. I think uh, that sort of technological rollout is months ahead, you know? Well, like, and also they an had like, like such bad press for like the, the business practices and the union practices yeah, that and- Quibi was invented for. Quibi was invented to circumvent uh, the, the, SAG, SAG or, or union yeah. union laws, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll pay Christoph Waltz because he asks for a quote, but we will pay you as if you are making YouTube content because that's what new media. You know, a strike is coming yeah. because of Quibi, because there is this was this like thing of like well storm, now new media uh, is just as valid as uh, film as 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 theatrical. You know, David Fincher has a Netflix well, like, movie. I, Martin Scorsese has a Netflix movie. New media is is not what it was even five years ago. I, I, I know a buddy who got a staff writing job on a Quibi show. And like, I was like, dude, how much are you making? He's like 200 bucks a day. <laughs> I'm like, right, that's not a staff writing that's job. Under the new media like, clause that yeah. was written like right. in at the last strike in like 07. When YouTube yeah. sucked. Pre-internet, yeah. YouTube was still just the Numa Numa guy, and they were they were angry about it. I call anything on the internet like before 2009 pre-internet, basically, because it's like nobody sure. functionally knew how to use and weaponize this tool of information, you know? I to make like, money. I feel like it's like before and after PewDiePie. Yeah. Like before and after just like skinny, weird white dudes could make billions. Yeah, like, like the Smosh era. Yo, Smosh. Yo, I, I, I checked in with Smosh on, uh, recently. Central. None of the, like those two dudes aren't Smosh no more. It's all, it's now like a channel. Well, no, it is a channel, but Ian well, still runs sold. it. Anthony yeah, they sold. Anthony is gone. They, they, I mean, they don't run oh, it. They, they technically got fucked in a huge deal where they sold Smosh for a dollar and got told that they'd be like the they'd be basically vps of this huge media company and then they were like talked into it and they thought it was like this huge media company with all this history and they asked one of the guys after signing the stuff they were like at dinner and he's like so how long have you guys been in business and he was like ah like a year and a half oh and they were like but i thought i thought you said you've been making content for 25 years he's like well i had like eight other companies that failed what and so they they basically got like they were basically like Anthony said, it was a certain point where he was brought in and he was like seeing them make content that like, he's like, okay, well this is what the algorithms would want us to make. And I understand from a business perspective, why we should do these videos, but I don't think they're good. And he got to a point where he didn't have the creative control to, to step in and change that anymore. And he was like, well, it's not really my thing anymore, I guess. So I'll just walk away. Oh my and God. So that's why he's sort of left. And Ian is sort of trying to still steer yeah, the brand and the ship and like, up. and like help this. Cause they, you know, casted this group of people to come yeah. in and be like the Smosh team. Yep. And like, he's, he thinks that those people are talented it. still and valid. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. They kind of mythbusted it. So like he's sort of trying to hold down the fort and I get both of their, stances you know what i mean like but uh, anthony is now like the social media face for comedy central which is an awesome really? that's a good mm-hmm. 
That's a good uh, like he's, fit for him. Like he's in there like because he sort of can speak to us at this point. Yeah, he's in like their Twitter right. videos or he's on their Instagram story naked telling you to go vote. Like that's so it, good for cool for him. <laughs> it's, I think it's I think that's a better talking, job than what Ian does. I was talking to a, a friend of ours, Jacob, that like we. It's interesting that our generation is now the mainstream media journalism that can sort of recontextualize what was a joke in our childhood where like now Mm -hmm. Smosh, the two dudes from Smosh matter (laughs) because we're the ones that decide the zeitgeist or, um, or, or weird like Lincoln park now has like cultural reverence because our generation is like, no, that's important. Well, that's a, it's interesting that, that Smosh was able to kind of be included in that where, our generation was like, no, this is, this is the new spokesperson. This is the new, uh, you know, comedy, whoever. That's the thing. It's like, um, you notice as like, we we see those trends where like, you know, eighties got real big randomly again, or like nineties did because the people who were making things at that time grew up and thought that shit was tight. So now we're getting to the point where it's our age group uh, is the ones that are like making the things from the stuff we thought was cool. You know, or it's like, it's going to slowly start being that way, you know, or it's like, so, and then it's just going to keep going like that. Like on blank check, they talked about Robert Zemeckis just being a boomer. And that's why none of his like movies are connecting anymore is because he's a boomer. Sure. Yeah. I mean, any, that's sort of culminating with, um, with Forrest Gump. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I think I think his recent stuff has been at least I think flight flight is a weird outlier outlier of I didn't late see Zemeckis. Welcome to Marwin and I'm gonna watch The Witches just because I'm a big rolled doll guy. That looks but okay. It it looks weird. I like it. I like. I'm really it. just. I like to see. What I'm he's most doing excited. Yeah, Richard's a big doll head. I'm a big doll head for sure. <laughs> Could do a doll episode. Uh, doll. doll. We should probably wrap, we should probably wrap up this episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, you guys can follow me uh, on Instagram at Kyle Anderson Comedy. Check me out. Hit me up. Message me. I won't reply to you, but message me. Maybe I will. Who knows? You gotta try. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like you're fucking Tom Cruise. <laughs> Like you don't have time for fan engagement. What if? What if? Like what if you've never wants your phone and the only notification is a message request. Yeah, I get I get added by some by some fan people, and it's uh, you know I look at the profiles and I say no thank you. Uh, no. Hey, let's start calling that one fan the Swede. The Swede, if he talks to you, would you talk the Swede. to him? Like the Swede. in Smoking Ace. I'm now picturing yeah. Joel Edgerton in the smoke in Smoking Aces. Yeah, that's what I want him to look like. Hey, if you are the listener from Sweden, because you have listened, I've looked at the data, you've listened to every episode. You're the only person in Sweden. There's listening. no way you're, you're the not listener. The, other, the host of the Other Development Hell podcast. <laughs> if you're the Swedish fan, hit us up. Hit us up. It's a lot you can of hit chill. We want to talk to our Swedish fan. On Instagram. And you yeah. can hit Richard yeah. up. That that's the fan I will definitely reply to. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm at Rich Neasy on Instagram. Uh, you also, uh, if you want to play video games in time, uh, hit me up on a PlayStation Pepper Jack fan. And you can find me uh, on Instagram at HG Spike. Or if you want to watch uh, UFC this weekend, you can you can call me or something. I don't know. 
<laughs> I, I don't, I don't message know. Message me. I won't respond to you, but I will give you Spike's phone number. I'll give you my my. <laughs> yeah, Anderson's got my phone number. <laughs> and uh, right. next week we will talk bye, about demons. the Boondock Saints. Bye, demons. Bye, 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 demons. Blowing so much pack, look like drift, race a movie. In here with the gang every time.